Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Listen for the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from our God, from God our Mother and Father, and from Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel relying upon the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to God's own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust. And I am sure that God is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to the Lord. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Okay, I have a confession to make. Never a good start, right? So this is actually a difficult text for me in, in a lot of ways. The first half of this text is just flat out wonderful. Paul talks, uh, he writes a letter to Timothy, and he says, I long to see you, and I remember your faith, a sincere faith, a faith that first began in your grandmother Lois. I saw that faith in your grandmother and in your mother Eunice. And now, he says, I'm sure, <laughs> lives in you. And I recall the laying on of hands and the time we prayed together, and I just want to encourage you to that faith, the faith that you saw in your grandmother and in your mom. And this is just, it's, when you read what people say about this text, that's what they focus on. And I think it is the heart of of this passage. But then he goes on to say how he suffers for the gospel. And when I read that, I got stuck. 
And how many of you get stuck when you hear you're supposed to suffer for something? Okay, I'm not the only one. I'm going to begin a conversation today. Feel free to jump in. Feel free to say, the guy was wrong. You not only missed the boat, I'm not sure you were even on the pier. That's okay. But I want to talk a little bit about what are we, what are we willing to suffer for in this world? And I am really aware that in the history of, of Christian faith and thought, those who have power have really encouraged those who don't to suffer. We will eat pie in the sky in the great by and by after we die. So in the meantime, feel free to suffer because your reward comes later. It's easy to sit there and talk about suffering when you're not. I'm really encouraged. I don't know if you've been following the latest pope, but the latest pope talked about those who surround the papacy as being narcissistic. Did you follow that? I mean, this is a pope who lives in a simple room, simply adorned, and he talks about all of those who want to preserve not who the the church is supposed to serve, but the papacy itself. And he says it's been narcissistic. How many of you ever expected to hear that from a pope? I read that and almost fell out of my chair. It was really, really encouraging. So this whole idea of, of asking other people to suffer is not something I'm comfortable with. But how many of you have had children? How many of you have suffered because of your children? How many of you, if you knew you were going to suffer because of your children, would not have those children today? Probably no hand. Well, one hand. One, one, one honest soul. You don't have a child. When you have children, what you want to do more than anything else is to protect your children, and you know you can't, and you know you shouldn't. Because they've got to make their own mistakes, they've got to fall down, they've got to be able to pick themselves up and realize, I'm going to be okay. You cannot avoid the suffering of the people you love. If you look at the history of world religions, how we deal with suffering is very interesting. The Buddhists, and we're going to have some Buddhist monks, and the Buddhists say basically suffering is the um, result of desire. And in 95% of the cases, I think they're right. Okay? I think I'm a good pastor. I think I'm a good preacher. So when Bob comes up afterwards and says, that sermon sucked. Then suddenly, because I feel attached to this idea of myself as a good preacher, I feel under attack when probably he's right. <laughs> we suffer because of what we hold on to and what we cling to and all of this stuff. And that's 95% of our suffering is self-imposed, people. It just is. We cling to this stuff and we hold to it and because we don't get exactly what we want or how we think it should be, we suffer. But that's 95%. There's 5%. The church has always said the soul attaches. You look at someone who's in need and your soul just... And this is, what the, this is what the Pope is saying. It's not enough to say to a gay person, well, we're going to try to make you feel welcome because somewhere there's a human being under there. 
says, no, there's a human being there. That's first and foremost. The soul attaches because there's an image of God sitting in the pew. And sometimes when you are attached to somebody because your soul just goes out, you're going to suffer. Love and suffering are the two great paths. And I really like it when I get where I need to go because I'm loving. I really like it a lot. Somewhere along that path, you're going to suffer. You just flat out are. When Chris decided that I'm going to go all in and Chris and Jen say, okay, I'm going to help these 15 kids in L.A. out of love, has that ever entailed for you any suffering? Yeah. You know, if for no other reason than one of the kids who's a great kid and he's got such a future, he could go to the gangs like that. He could just turn and just throw it all away because it's the easiest thing to do. And there are so many affirmations for just joining a the gang. There's quick incentives and there's immediate rewards. He probably won't have to live past 25. It's easier. And Chris knows that. And so when I talk to him, I see the suffering in his eyes. Is he going to turn back because of that suffering? The answer is no. He's going to double down. Which means the suffering, if it goes badly, is going to be four times as much. Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or cowardice, but of courage and hope. Love well. Love even if you know your husband isn't going to make it as long as you want. You know? Love, 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 love. We had a, we had a memorial last week where Andy Lyon um, got cancer at a young age. How old was he? 16? 24? He, he got a, cancer at 18. And Betsy Goslin and Michael Goslin, you know, Michael was a, a realtor in town, and Betsy did yoga here across the way. And when their son got cancer, they just wanted to scream. And what happened, because he got cancer and he realized, I don't know what's going to happen, he, he, just, he doubled down and he went all and he said, I'm going to live my life and I'm just going to do everything I always wanted to do and I have a short time to do it, and he did it. Now, this does not make his death any easier. But they would talk about the suffering that he went through allowed him to be the man he truly needed to be. Paul is saying, in your faith, are you willing in your love and in your commitment to embrace the fact that it's going to mean somewhere down the road you're going to suffer? It just is. If you have children, it is. If you love your church, that's what it means. If you love your neighbor, that's what it means. If you love your parents, that's what it means. Do you just give up on others because it will mean that if you do, you're going to suffer? Paul says no. Christ says no. The church says no. You are in solidarity with those who need help. The soul attaches to those who need help. And because of that, you need to be willing to, to embrace the reality that sometimes you're going to hurt for it. But here's the thing. 
You don't go off into your hermitage and feel in pain. You come to church and you sit down in the only place where you can let everything out and be surrounded by people who just embrace you with their love and say, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you right now. You hurt and you're suffering and it sucks, but we love you. I'm picking on Tammy. She's never coming back. We need another AV person. We are not alone in this world. When we live it fully, love and suffering are the two great paths. I hope it's all love for you, but I, I wouldn't be honest if I told you it would be. Don't be afraid, because God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of courage. And if we can be courageous together, and we can love deeply together, and bind our wounds together. There's nothing we can't do. And that's good news. Amen. Amen. See, she's already quit. See, it's...